This episode contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, August 11th, the Please Don't Make Me Play With Them edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's 10, Oliver, who's eight, and Teddy, who's five. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Zach Rosen. I make the Best Advice Show podcast. I live in Detroit with my family. My oldest, Noah, is nearly five, and my youngest, Ami, is almost two. And my name is Eamon Ismail. I live in Newark, New Jersey. I'm a staff writer at Slate Magazine, and this morning, my son pooped so much that it came out of his diaper into the crib, and he rolled around in it, and it was in his hair. (laughs) Mazel tov! What a great way to start the day. That's my credentials. (laughs) thought they should have like badges for parents i know people make them but i think someone should like appear and like give it to you like poop in the hair like a scout badge (laughs) yeah exactly are you ready to hear about all the the bowel movements i'm happy to (laughs) tell i'm happy to share you're in the bowel movement part Mm -hmm. of parenting which weirdly lasts a very long time (laughs) yeah their whole lives are here (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yeah we never stop talking about them well Today, you're also going to help us answer a question from our letter writer who has a complicated cousin situation. She wants her granddaughter and her ex-husband's adopted daughter to be friends, but it's just not working out. Then on Slate Plus, we're taking a look at The New Yorker's A Toddler Father's Playbook for Answering Tough Questions. It's very cute. Here's a sneak peek of what you'll hear if you have Slate Plus. I'm so deep into the reasonable guess game that I'm actually, it's chronic and I need to find a way out. (laughs) because <laughs> I don't I, maybe I think kids are a little dumb and it's fun to mess with their heads but when my nephews are asking like dumb questions I give them dumb answers just because it's funny yeah. and, and you know I think we've reached a point in our relationship where they know I'm kidding and they'll be like no it's not and I'll be like sure it is well you know and it's just sort of like a game that's just part of our relationship now If you want weekly bonus segments from us and your other Slate favorites, consider signing up for Slate Plus. You'll also get to listen ad-free to this and other Slate podcasts and get unlimited access to the Slate website. To sign up now, go to slate.com slash momanddadplus. Again, that's slate.com slash momanddadplus. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to dive into our triumphs and fails of the week. We're back and going straight into sharing our parenting triumphs and fails. Amon, we're dying to know how things are going. So do you have a triumph or fail for us this week? I do. Oh, my God. Can I share what happened yesterday? It was the most magical thing in the world. So uh, Musa started daycare about a month ago. He goes three days a week. It's about from 8 a.m. till around 6 o'clock or like 5.30. Game changer. Oh, my God. It's such a game changer. It's amazing. (laughs) And uh, the best part. Uh, I was always dropping him off, but it was always stained by the experience of having him cry and crawl, like try to claw and sink his nails into my skin so that I don't hand him off like a like a koala. But this time, yesterday, for the first time, he not only was willing to go to daycare, but he opened his arms mm. and almost mm-hmm. jumped into the arms mm-hmm. of the teacher. Aww. And he was happy to go, and you could see they were smiling, and it was just... It just gave me that relief. It's, that's what I wanted daycare to be. I wanted to be able to just yes. give him to somebody yes. that I trust who will give him that attention that I can't when I'm yep. working. And it's just, it's, it felt so satisfying. But I will say that I today found out why he's so excited to go. 
They are, without permission, feeding him cupcakes and McDonald's and chicken fingers and fries and all that stuff that me and my wife thought we would never feed him, not at least for a while. <laughs> and so I have these mixed feelings now. Now we're at the stage where we're like, well, it's, it's not us giving it to him. We're not going to protect him from McDonald's forever. It's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And if it'll help him mm-hmm. feel more excited about going to daycare and spending three days a week mm-hmm. there, that's a good thing. That's a net positive for us. Uh, but it would have been nice if they asked. That's all. Is this, they're, they're like the catering lunches with McDonald's or what's happening? They decided that this was a special week that they were going to have uh, like hat day, or, but it was going to last the whole week. So everybody was going to wear hats. And I thought that was it. That's what they asked me to do is bring a hat for my son. And I did. But then they sent us pictures and they're all sitting there with trays of like chicken nuggets and, and fries and they log what they've eaten and they didn't feed him the dinner that we gave him. They fed him McDonald's uh, chicken fingers and fries. <laughs> and I don't eat fast food. I haven't eaten fast foods in so long. And to me, that idea just feels gross and nasty. And I've seen too many posts where they show the McDonald's after like three decades and it's exactly the same. It looks the same, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, yeah. Mm, mm. And, and now it's in my son. <laughs> Which might explain the bowel movements, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. As long as he doesn't like stop eating at home and like demands chicken nuggets and all that, that's <laughs> it's just it's chicken fine. nuggets. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Did you see this piece in McSweeney's earlier this summer called "My Favorite Controlled Substance Is Daycare"? <laughs> no, it, I didn't. I'll, I'll just read. I'll just read the first paragraph because it's so funny, and we'll put it in our show notes. Forget snorting that snoo and huffing that nugget. This is the real (laughs) stuff. It's expensive. It's addictive. It's impossible to get your hands on. And the government definitely doesn't want you to have it. It's called daycare. The first time I tried daycare, my kid contentedly tucked into the care of someone who was experienced, trained, and entirely not me. It gave me such a high I made the bed, rinsed out the entire milk carton before tossing it in the recycling, and clicked yes when an email asked if I supported their efforts to mitigate the risks of climate change. And it goes on, and it's so right on for for anyone um, who ha- who's just feeling that high like you are of a uh, <laughs> fresh dose of daycare. We need the sound effect of like... Uh, Oh man, daycare. Yes. <laughs> Feel alive. <laughs> Zach, so <laughs> do you have a triumph or fail for us this week? <laughs> I have a triumph. I have reservations about sharing it because it was such a triumph, but I would want to hear about this if if another parent experienced it. So I, I don't want to, I'm trying to, to just uh, brush the guilt away. <laughs> But I just took a five-day vacation with my wife without my damn kids. And holy shit. Jealous. Whoa. Talk about a favorite controlled (laughs) substance. Like, first of all, I just have to give a shout out to the grandparents. We have six grandparents that all live here. Thank you, divorce. Um, (laughs) and, And so they split the kids up. Each pair took like the kids for a day or two days. So they didn't burn out. And my wife and I went to visit my cousin in Telluride, Colorado, like the most beautiful small town in America. We just hiked and cooked and ate Whoa. and walked around. I read a book. What? And read it out on the porch looking at a mountain. It was, I just, I, I know I sound like a broken record on the show because I've talked about this before, but if there is anything you can do to lean on the people in your life, to just take your kids, maybe for an hour, maybe for a week, but it's going to help your marriage. It's going to help you fill up your cup as a parent. I just won't be 
as effective of a parent if I don't get some time alone or, or, or alone with my wife. Like this is such a rejuvenating gift that that the grandparents gave us. And I just so hope that um, you can somehow figure out a way to do that yourself. Like your kids will be fine if they're in the hands of, of people that love them. If you haven't done it before, maybe try breaking the seal and just like do it for, mm. again, short period of time. Is there a, like a learning curve involved here? I, I feel like, do you need to sit with each of those grandparents and show them how you do things and how you mix the milk or any of that? Do you just drop the kids off and say, see you later? Similar to McDonald's at daycare, it's like, as long as they are being loved, your parents have some experience parenting, um, unless there's some very specific things that we, I mean, like, you know, Ami has like allergies a, or something, yeah, like something life threatening. Nighttime routine, but no. I would, I would say the, 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 the quick and easy answer is just drop them off. Um, as, as long as you trust these people, drop them off. Um, and yeah, we, we made a Google Doc. I'm not going to lie, mm. but it was not very long. And it was a lot longer last year when Ami was still on bottles and stuff. So the older they get, the shorter the Google Doc becomes. So sick. Do you feel like, too, because like with babysitters, I always am like, here's what we do. But what I want to come home to is like safe children. Mm. Even if I had said this is bedtime and this is this, if right. I come home and you're all on the couch watching a movie and it's 930, but everybody is like happy, safe, healthy, exactly. and you were like, hey, we tried this and it was a giant mess and I did this and now we're all happy. I, I feel great about that, right? The goal is yep. for them to have a good time so that I don't worry when I'm out. But this is where my, my triumph wrapped in a fail, fail wrapped in a triumph fits right here. I last week had all three kids at zoo camp. We we like go out and get a babysitter, but I have never had like a week where my kids, all three kids are somewhere Whoa. that is not with me. So I had like a lot of anxiety. I picked up on Monday. It was like glowing reviews from all three counselors. Picked up on Tuesday, <laughs> glowing reviews. Wednesday I show up and Teddy is under a picnic table and his counselor is standing there and she says, We've had a rough day. Oh. <laughs> I said, okay. She said, he's been under this table since snack. And I said, morning snack or afternoon snack? <laughs> she was like, she's like, afternoon snack. I'm like, all right. Okay. She's okay. like, he just completely refused to come with us this afternoon. And I was like, okay. And at this point, Teddy kind of like runs off. I run after him. I catch him. I bring him back. You know, and I, I said to him, um, I'm not mad, but we do need to talk to your counselor because I want to understand what happened. We all have bad days. Don't worry about it. So his counselor says that um, they were sitting on the wallet snack. He was eating his snack. And when it was over, they asked him to pick up his water bottle. And he just crossed his arms and was like, no. And they said, you need to get off the wall and get your water bottle. And he then screamed at them, my body, my choice, and went under the picnic table. <laughs> okay. So I was okay. like, oh, okay, man. now I'm amused, <laughs> you know, as well. Um, so he I exerted his Fifth her. Amendment. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he, he just, <laughs> so on one hand, it's like, okay, he hears what I'm what I'm telling him. His application is inappropriate. Uh, you know, he got in the car. We we had had friends come in, and we were going to go to get ice cream. And when we got to the car, he says, like, do I not get ice cream now? And I said, well, no, we're going for ice cream. That was, like, the uh, planned event. It wasn't, like, if you're good at camp, right? It was just, mm -hmm. we totally get to have ice cream. We show up at the ice cream place, and his preschool teacher is there. He's like, Teddy, what are you doing? And um, he's like, Mr. Jason, I am at camp. And he's like, how's camp going? And he's like, it's rough. Mm. <laughs> So 
I, you know, we had ice cream. It's totally fine. Turns out he felt like the water bottle that he had was really heavy because it's like a long day. You know, carrying it around preschool was one thing. So we got a smaller water bottle. We had a great Thursday, a great Friday. We just chalked it up to like people have bad days. Uh, <laughs> lots of good conversations yeah. about that. But I feel like it w- it was good. I hate that feeling of like showing up and and just know you know the minute I saw him under the picnic table, it's like well, <laughs> not going to be a glowing report today. <laughs> but we survived it. There are so many worse ways to to deal. You can learn to uh, to not run from his problems later. <laughs> exactly, it's okay to have a bad day. <laughs> but listeners, I think all of this to say, do what Zach did, do what Amon did, turn your kids over to someone else, and even if it goes badly, you'll be fine. Yeah. Chicken nuggets are worth the price of the freedom that you have right now. <laughs> all in all, it only took me like 15 minutes to clean the poop out of his hair. So worth it <laughs> <laughs> to have a whole day worth it. Yes. Yeah, worth it. Yes. Exactly. Well, let's take another quick break. And when we come back, we will get into today's listener question. Let's get into today's listener question. It's being read, as always, by the fabulous Shasha Leonard. Dear Mom and Dad, my 12-year-old granddaughter, we'll call her Mary, who often stays with me for long stretches, can be very difficult, to put it kindly. She's been diagnosed with ADHD and oppositional defiance disorder. She has a mind and will of her own, and it's a challenge to get her to do anything she doesn't want to do. The dilemma at hand is... My former husband's 13-year-old adopted daughter. We'll call her Jane. My ex and I are very close friends, like brother and sister, and see each other frequently. Jane is visiting her dad for the summer. Jane is a bright girl, but has Asperger's, and comes across as very awkward and immature. E.g., she carries a lifelike baby doll around. She's desperate to spend time with someone her own age and wants to hang out with Mary, who flatly refuses. It's embarrassing and hurtful, to say the least. We've tried everything from bribes to threats, trying to appeal to her sense of empathy. She has none. All to no avail. When they do happen to see each other, Mary is sullen and keeps her face on her phone. I'm angry that Mary is not only hurting her cousin, who will only be here a few weeks, but she's also putting me in an awkward position of having to give excuses. I've explained to my ex that there's nothing I can really do to force her to be friends with Jane, but I can see that he feels bad about this. Any suggestions? Thanks. Cousin Troubles. It really is tough. I mean, you can't really force them to be friends, but you want to do as much encouragement as you can possible. Uh, But at this point, I think it's okay to choose your battles and set your expectations a little bit lower. Uh, You don't have to just want to put in a little bit of work and then all of a sudden they're friends, right? It's uh, it's not going to be that simple. So I don't, I think maybe lower the bar for yourself a little bit. Maybe try other avenues of getting them to hang out. Maybe they can participate in one activity together. Maybe they can go to the zoo together. Maybe they can d- do things out in the world that are away from their house, away from their toys, away from their their gadgets that will make them more engaged in what's in front of them. Even if it isn't the person, if they can both engage in the same thing, I found that to be really effective. And, you know, um, it's, it's really funny. My nephews are twins, and so they are really attached to each other. And they, they really are having a hard time responding to the world around them if it doesn't directly involve the other twin. 
You know what I mean? Mm. So you can walk into the room and say, hey, what's up, blah, blah, blah. And they're just playing with each other. They're not even looking at you and that's their world. You can try and like force yourself in the room, have them, I, like I've tried to make them play with my son, Musa, who doesn't get a lot of time uh, with a lot of other babies. And these are his cousins. I want, it's like really important to me that they become friends. But because of their state, I found that trying to make them look at each other just makes them stick to their guns more. And that the resistance you get makes everything harder and messy. Uh, but once I, you know, calm myself down, made the active choice to decide not to make the bar so high for myself. I don't need to make them best friends right away. But if I can get them to, like, if I can introduce a new toy at the same time and everybody kind of comes together and plays with it, that's good enough for right now. So uh, I would, that would be my advice. Maybe take them out of their element, give them something else to focus on that's not each other. This one was a head scratcher to me because it just seems like this is such a it's a it's a tough one. And I really like the notion of lowering your expectations and and maybe lowering it to like this just might not work out is as crappy as that is. But I, I, I do like maybe the idea of if Mary um, has a friend who they do like to hang out with maybe there could be like a, a nice kind of triangle situation where it doesn't have to be one-on-one -on -one, um, or it could be you know three people or a small group and a movie in particular might be good mm -hmm. because they might share some interests in that sense and they don't have to talk during it but they can kind of do it together so i know you've said uh bribes haven't worked but just offering to to take them out to the movies might be a, a decent start where the expectations for interaction are basically zero but they're they're at least in a room together so that could be the start of a beautiful friendship but also it might be the last time they hang out and as as crappy as that is that that might just have to be okay no i agree with both of you that like the expectations here are off i i really feel for this situation because when you have neurodivergent children um which i have some experience with i i don't think to this degree but you can't always function with them like you function with a neurotypical child like the the kind of things particularly with operational defiance disorder um which i see glimpses of with henry when he's in one of his pandas flares we have he is not has not been diagnosed with operational defiance disorder, but we have stuff that displays like that because their brain is actually working to, to push back on everything you're asking them to do and to double down when you're trying to do these things. So I, I think the first thing that you can do is that in order to have a better relationship with Mary, because to me, the letter sounds like you are so frustrated here that you feel like Mary is a bad person. When in fact, what you have is a child that is that is just not neurotypical, and so um, there's something called parent management therapy that I I would really encourage you to go read about, and this is kind of how they encourage um, parents of operationally defiant children to to learn to manage them and help them, and it you're basically using a bunch of positive reinforcements to decrease the unwanted behavior and largely kind of ignoring or not even recognizing the bad behavior because mm. they get so much feedback from that, that mm. every time you're like, well, you're not doing this or you're like this, you're feeding that thing inside of them that feels good. And so what you have to do is really highlight these moments. So, so if you get a movie 
or some other thing together. Instead of saying, these are all the things you didn't do for your cousin, what you can say is, I really appreciate that you sat in the room with her. And here is a reward for that. I really appreciate that you, you know, took two minutes before you used your phone. Um, Like whatever those small moments are that you see and just highlight those. And I think that what you will see is that if the only reinforcement they're getting is positive reinforcement and they're never getting negative reinforcement, they're going to seek that 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 affirmation from doing positive things. Mm. It is a long road. It is not going to happen right away. I think, though, expecting Mary to be particularly empathetic is just not something that is going to happen at this moment where they are. Mm-hmm. And so you are really setting her up for failure. And then all these things you are doing are, are you know, feeding that, like, I'm a bad person, I don't do this, which is kind of where operational defiance comes from. Those are the internal monologues that are happening. So I think if you can reframe that, I love the idea of, like, an activity. I think that you definitely need um, what what works really well a lot of times with neurodivergent children are um, like boundaries that apply all the time. So like if the phone is an issue, you need to have a boundary with the phone that applies whether you're with a cousin or a friend or whatever it is. And then go do an activity with them where the expectation is the same thing it always. You know, I expect for the first 30 minutes that you do not use your phone. And after 30 minutes, you will get your phone. Like that, that is just how we operate every time we go out. Choose an activity, go out with them. That's your only expectation, right? Is that they do not use the phone for 30 minutes and that they are like polite. That doesn't mean they have to like them or be friends. There's a really great TikTok going around from a teacher that's kind of like, let me show you how to dislike someone. (laughs) It's basically (laughs) like, here is what the thing that you need. Like, I don't need to say anything else. And I almost feel like that's kind of what you need here. You need to be in a situation where they can be together and nobody Mm -hmm. is doing anyone any harm. Um, But you just can't force people to like Uh people. Like, I just think as an adult, like, we all have people that are in our circles that we are with all the time, and they are not our favorite person. And that is perfectly okay, (laughs) right? And nobody saying, like, I need you to be more empathetic to this person is going to make me like them or want to spend time with them. I love the idea of bringing a friend because Mm -hmm. I think that the friend may be able to be more empathetic and that modeling is excellent. Um, I think anything you can do to to set things up for success. But I also want to say like poor Jane here is continuously kind of exposed to this person that is not a good relationship for her either. So even if they're cousins, like let's find better people for Jane to be friends with. (laughs) You can always try again when they're older. Yeah, I th- I think continued, like, these people are in your orbit, mm-hmm. right? Like, that yeah. should continue. Um, and I actually really like kind of the twin analogy, which is like, hey, we're going to keep being here and being present. This person is going to be in your orbit. But I'm not going to, like, if they didn't play together today, then, like, this was a disaster and my feelings right. are hurt. It's like, no, this is how kids are. I, I don't want to sound mean to our dear letter writer, but, like, you need a little more empathy for for Mary, I think, and what your expectations are of her and how to set her up for success so that you can feel proud of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cousin trouble, good luck. We all I think we all feel like this is a real um we really feel for you. I don't know, family things are hard because you feel mm-hmm. like like it's family. It's different than someone that you can just cut loose. Mm-hmm. Uh, we hope some of this advice helped. But if you, anybody out there, has thoughts on how to handle this situation, please write to us or send us a voice memo. You can, of course, also email us with your parenting questions. And that email address is at slate.com. 
And that's it for our show. We'll be back in your feeds bright and early on Monday. We'll be answering another question. And of course, we'll have recommendations. While you're at it, please subscribe to the show and give us a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. This episode of Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Rosemary Belson and Christy Taiwo Macanjula and Zach Rosen. For Amon Ismail and Zach Rosen, I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. Thanks for listening. All right, Slate Plus listeners, let's keep going. So my dad emailed me this piece from The New Yorker. It's called A Toddler Father's Playbook to Answering Tough Questions. And I just couldn't wait to share it with you guys. So I'm not sure where you guys are in life, but like my life is full of questions, some of which I want to answer, some of which I don't want to answer, some of which I don't know the answer (laughs) to. And I just felt like this piece and illustration, it made me giggle, but I also think there's like a real... um, Like, I don't always think about which of these that I implement, (laughs) you know, but it made me think, like, I hope that often enough I'm, like, providing real answers. Um, I particularly tend to use the, what did he call it, let's see, the classic punt where I'm like, you know who's a real expert on this? Your father. (laughs) I do worry, actually, that my dad sent it to me because I often say, you should call your grandpa. Because I feel that he has, like, more time (laughs) available than I do to, like, really entertain this. But do you guys find yourself doing this with the the kids in your life? Let's just back up for a second and just explain what this is. Oh, yes. Um, Sorry. No, it's fine. Good point. Yeah. So so this is a a great... I love it. It's a great comic by David Osto. And it's like a taxonomy of, of different responses to these puzzling questions that we get from our kids. There's the reasonable guess. Um, which is illustrated here by the kid sees a sawfish and asks, like, why is the fish's mouth shaped like a saw? And the reasonable guess that the dad offers is maybe to, like, uh, saw other fish. Then there's <laughs> there's the gentle understatement, like, why can't we go to school in a, in a rocket ship? Um, there's the no follow-up questions at this time, um, where the kid asks about how babies are made. There's the need-to-know basis, um, where the kid's asking about uh, maybe aliens or pirate. pirates. Oh yeah, pirates, right. <laughs> um, so it just goes on. There's all these different ways um, that we as people that don't know everything in the world, which is all of us, um, respond to our to our children. So, I mean, the thing that's missing here, um, which is the one that I use the most, is the, I don't know. Hmm. Like, that's the one that actually will shut your kid up um, or get them... Like or we'll you know we'll do some research. I don't know. Let's look up sawfish on online. Because um, if you if you, like the reasonable guess, they they always ask a follow up, and then you're trying to answer a question to something that like the you know the root of the knowledge that you already reasonably guess could be wrong. So then you know you're just kind of getting cloudy from there. I use mm. I don't know a lot. I'm so deep into the reasonable guess game that I'm actually it, it's chronic, and I need to find a way out. <laughs> Because I don't, maybe I think kids are a little dumb and it's fun to mess with their heads. But when my nephews are asking like dumb questions, I give them dumb answers just because it's funny. And, and, you know, I think we've reached a point in our relationship where they know I'm kidding and they'll be like, no, it's not. And I'll be like, sure it is. Well, you know, and it's just sort of like a game that's just part of our relationship now. And that's really fun. I mean, it's, I don't want to be the person who is like making things up all the time, but it's definitely part of how we have fun together. So I just want to say that. As long as they, as long as they know, 
It yeah. sounds like a fun game. They don't always know. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, that's what makes it fun for you. Do you do you ever do the? I actually do a lot of like. Well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, which with the ten year old, like I get a pretty reasonable. Like it makes him think. But the five year old is like the. Well, maybe it saws other people. <laughs> and then I feel like. Well, I asked him. Now I should like value this answer, right? <laughs> but also, like I don't think it saws other fish. You know, <laughs> like right. I'm stuck in that. Like, well, I asked you. But now you've given me an answer that I know is wrong. <laughs> I mean, bless these kids for just having the best questions. Noah was asking me about clouds the other day. I was like, thank you for like reminding me that clouds are this incredible, mm. formless thing that like impact the way we see the world. Uh, let's, let's learn about clouds. So actually, I've been meaning to do some cloud research with her. There's some really fun at-home science experiments, <laughs> which I know how much you love. <laughs> I want to do You can those. Like, put shave, yeah. shaving cream on top of a um, thing of water, and then you drop uh, food coloring into the shaving cream. Yeah. And then it will kind of slowly work its way through the shaving cream and then fall out the bottom like rain. But the idea is sort of like that the, the moisture is in there, and then it's going to like come out Whoa. in these like streaks. I don't cool. know. It's really cool. That's it's amazing. Awesome. Yeah. Makes a huge mess. Um, we'll do it outside. It's good for a project. Or two. Yeah, do it outside. Yeah. Exactly. Is it weird to do that have, without have a you, kid around? <laughs> no, no. Have you guys found yourself in the, I always thought I'd be truthful with my children, but now look at the sordid web of lies I've spun? <laughs> <laughs> yes, 100%. I mean, this is, this is sort of my take on it, is that they're going to ask these questions and you're not always going to have the answer to it, but it could still be part of your fun. And I, I'm doubling, I know I'm like doubling and tripling down on this, but I don't know if we need to be so attached to this like teacher pupil relationship that mm-hmm. many of us expect to have with our kids. Like we should be trying to teach them good manners, the things that are going to help them through life uh, and teach them how to ask questions, I think is really important. Uh, but when it comes to like things like clouds, I don't, I don't know, are they going to remember that? I guess it I would, I guess it'd be really bad for them to go to school and be like what? and like arguing with their teachers be like no well my dad told me that clouds is uh is, is god shaving his beard or something like that. Uh but at the same time I think it's kind of funny like it's fine. <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, Slate Plus, we, of course, would love to hear what you think. How are you guys answering your kids' questions? Definitely go check out the article. Let us know which is your favorite. You can send them to momanddad at slate.com. Thanks for joining us, and be sure to join us on Monday for a regular show, and then back on Thursday for another bonus segment. Bye! Bye!